the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Companies that set out to change the world should stand for something. Something that matters. For Tanium, it was managing and protecting the world's growing number of endpoints. Tanium empowers organizations to embrace digital transformation and change the way people both work and live. They help critical government agencies see what's coming, protect and defend five branches of the U.S. military, and more than half of the Fortune 100 rely on Tanium to manage and secure their critical assets. To learn more, visit Tanium.com. Welcome to Seek Reality with your host, Roberta Grimes. Author and attorney Roberta Grimes will explore and illustrate how she, after an extraordinary experience of light in childhood, has discovered channels of communication to the afterlife and how these implications have an effect on our everyday lives. Please welcome the host of Seek Reality, Roberta Grimes. Oh, everyone, welcome to Seek Reality. Of course, I'm Roberta Grimes, and I'm especially glad you can be with us today. Now, you know, an arc of a lifetime bends in surprising ways that are really clear for the most part only in retrospect. I never knew that until I became old myself. And as I've told you when we began to talk about this two weeks ago, I feel as if I've had a wonderful life, a really a thrilling life, although other people might not see it that way. And I cannot imagine that it would have felt so rich to me and so complete if there hadn't been at the center of it work that I agreed long before I was born that I would do for a cherished eternal friend. I actually didn't know this was going on until very recently, so I'm getting ahead of myself. But I really think now that that's been the hallmark of my life. Of course, this week, your guest is again your host, and we're going to be finishing my personal story. But in telling it now, and this is just my story over the last few years, I'm going to be sharing details that are very important to your life, too. I hear from people all the time who want to know how they can meet their spirit guides. I have never wanted to meet my spirit guides. Um, I, I always felt as if, you know, I was living my life. It was going fine. I knew I had guides, and it was like driving a car. I really didn't want to know what was going on under the hood because there was nothing wrong. But all of that changed three years ago, just about three years ago. I think it was early February, February 2nd. My guide, Thomas, was having trouble getting me to keep up my end of a bargain I didn't even know I had made. I had made it long before I was born. So reluctantly, he stepped into my waking life. It was very early in my my research that I came to realize that my experiences of life that I had when I was eight and again when I was 20, and and I'd heard a voice, I, I really realized that that voice must have been my primary spirit guide. And I rem- that was one of the first places in my life where I really put together the thing, different things I was learning. And so I got a kick out of it. Um, but I still, as I say, didn't want to know him. But what I didn't know until much later, didn't realize till I looked back, was that all this research into the afterlife I was already doing when I was only in my 20s was part of this larger plan. I wasn't interested in figuring out my life plan, but I was living it. And I can see now that my plan was absolutely solid. I was reading the Bible daily. There was no good reason for that. I was going to law school. 
I was actually even majoring in early Christian history in college. I remember choosing my major and wondering at the time why I was choosing it, but I knew I had to do that. I was researching the afterlife, of course, almost every day, and I was writing as a hobby compulsively. Every bit of that, although it didn't seem connected at the time, was being guided. I was being prepared for what I had promised to do. Now, many people probably aren't clear on just what the process is for us to come into a body, and that's a very important part of this story. So let's just stop briefly and talk about three key elements, our spirit guides, the process of life planning, and all the details of how we choose where and how and when to be incarnated. Everyone has spirit guides. We all have one primary guide who is very often a close eternal friend. And when we want to enter a lifetime or when the guide wants to get something done and is willing to guide us as part of the process of getting his work done, for whatever reason, we sort of hook up in the afterlife. We say, okay, it's time. And we start planning that lifetime. Of course, the primary thing we're doing is figuring out what experiences we need to have in the lifetime this guide will be guiding, uh, which are going to help us grow spiritually. That is extremely, extremely important. Um, so, so that's number one. We get those onto the onto the map. I think of us, by the way, doing this outdoors under a tree because, of course, buildings aren't necessary there. The weather's always perfect. So we're outdoors. We're under a tree, big table. We're walking around the table. This life plan is laid out on it. And, you know, I have to have these experiences because these are things I still have to learn. We put those in. And then if there are larger things that we think we should be doing probably for humankind or which our guide in this case, my, it was all my guide's agenda. We put those in too and we put in when we will probably be able to start them. But it's a tentative, tentative plan. And as we begin to live our lives, it's important to realize that nothing is predestined. You have absolute free will. You don't have to do the things that are on your, your plan at all. And some people do go completely off the rails. But it's important if you if you really want to grow spiritually to make the most of your lifetime by living your plan. And that's very, um, especially was important in my case. If I hadn't hit any of those marks, I probably couldn't have been useful to my guide. And that would have been tragic. I wouldn't have known it till I graduated. But if you feel that you are, you know, I just have this real urge to move to Atlanta or uh, in my case it was to Austin or um, you know I, I really feel a need to uh, take a course in basket weaving whatever it is if you feel if you especially if you sort of ask a question at night and then you wake up in the morning and you find this urgent need to do basket weaving classes don't fight it because you and your guide are working together for your ultimate good. It's very important that you not fight the plan. But anyway, the plan is laid out, but it always can be adjusted. Mine has just been adjusted, I think, in a major way. I'll tell you about that a little later. But all of the things that I've lived in my life, I now look back and realize were for in the early part of my life, really for my, my spiritual growth, but more and more we're building toward what I had promised my guide that I would do. Part of this process is choosing the body and the details of where you're going to be born. Now, most of us, and this includes people who are living all over the world, tend to choose to be born many lifetimes in roughly the same place because it's hard, 
it's much harder if you don't have experience, for example, with being an American or being someone who lives in an African community or whatever. If you don't have some experience of that, it's a much harder adjustment for you when you're first born. And we're not looking to make adjustments. We're looking to grow spiritually. That has to be the process. So um, I now know that I chose to be born when I did, which was right after, one year after they exploded the atomic bombs in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, I was born. I, I chose to come in then so that I could be part of this uh, process of raising the consciousness of the planet. That's part of what I came in to do. But also, I needed to be born in a certain place. Usually the people in your close family, your um, your parents, your siblings, and so on. Most of them usually are part of your 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 team, your your uh, your your soul group. Mine are not, and I was, which explains a lot of things actually about my childhood. I mean, I love them; they're wonderful people. But they they were they happened to be a, having an affair at the very time. A pre, this was shocking, of course, back then. They were having a premarital affair, and as soon as they had conceived me, they decided they'd better get married, and they did. And I give them credit. They were wonderful parents, and they did a wonderful job. But that apparently was a last-minute decision of where and, and when to be born, and it was because of the of the fact that uh, suddenly we were kicking into high gear in the eternal levels because the U.S. and uh, actually all the countries involved in the Second World War were going off the rails. But see how it's fun to look back in retrospect? I fortunately have had a little time talking with my primary guide, so some of this has actually been told to me, and others I've just sort of figured out. But... This is true of everyone, this process of choosing a primary guide, maybe choosing some auxiliary guides who will come in later, and making a plan, knowing that you can adjust it whenever you like. I mean, if opportunities come up, which you want to take advantage of for greater spiritual growth or doing work, or uh, if you... You know, maybe suddenly you're really doing well. There are reports of people who came in with a pretty average life plan, and they so exceeded the responses that they were making to these basic lessons that they vastly um, increased the challenges and made a huge spiritual progress in one lifetime. That's available, that option, to anyone. Part of the problem we have, of course, is that as people in bodies, we tend to think these bodies are important, which, of course, they're not. And we tend to th think this lifetime is, you know, real. This, The best analogy I can give you, and I've done this, said this before, is that you, you're in a spiritual gym when you come to the earth. You strip down to a very limited part of your body, the way you would strip down to shorts and a T-shirt, and you get on some tough, tough machines like the loss of a child or, you know, health issues or whatever as an opportunity to grow spiritually. You're strengthening your spiritual muscles. I know that's hard for some people to hear who've had tragedies in their lives, but nobody ever dies. The people you think have died are just fine and they're waiting for you and they're cheering you on as you surmount these challenges you set for yourself. Things are very different from what most people think they are, but when you understand what really is going on, it gives you a tremendous sense of peace. God really is in his heaven, all really is right with the world. When you really get that, that you're always safe in everlasting arms, it makes every difference, every difference in how you see the world and you see your challenges, and it helps you to grow spiritually. And as I'm about to tell you, growing spiritually isn't just for when you're there. Growing spiritually is even 
in some ways more important when you're here because the more you grow spiritually, the more you're going to be able to do great things in the world. And for most of us, the thought that we may be able to do something that is important and wonderful for other people is the most wonderful thought that we can have. And that seems to be happening in my life too, beyond whatever was planned. So um, we're going to talk about that today, but we're going to just take a quick break. Uh, And when we come back, I'm going to tell you uh, about meeting Thomas and about my relationship with him. Roberta Grimes on Seek Reality. We'll be right back. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand worldwide and more does this sound like tomorrow's television well it is but you can have it today right now it is simul tv simul tv offers what the others only wish they could provide 15 exclusive channels like x-zone sci-fi and horror we are worldwide no other provider offers that 500 built-in video games no need to have an extra expensive system we have them included free video on demand live streaming events from around the world, interactive online network, and much more. Tomorrow's TV today, Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Gwilda Wiaka's latest book, The Science of Magic, Book of Mysteries, Volume 1, is the first book in a series based on her writings that open every episode of the Science of Magic radio show. Drawing on the subject matter of each guest and armed with over 40 years experience in shamanism, 35 years in alternative health, and degrees in psychology and religious studies, Wilda introduces relevant and leading-edge information that supports spiritual evolution and personal empowerment. Rich with wisdom and inspirational quotes packaged in digestible segments, this is a book that will pull you from cover to cover. It will also serve as a daily inspirational reading for years to come. The Science of Magic Book of Mysteries, Volume 1, is available at our website, tsompublications.com, amazon.com, and wherever fine books are sold. Welcome back to Seek Reality and 
this is Roberta Grimes telling you the story of my recent life, hoping that it will be relevant to your life too, uh, because we all are living this kind of much more bigger and more important and more complicated life than it really seems to even to us on the surface. So there I was going along happily teaching the afterlife, practicing law, mother and grandmother, wife of now 45 years, a, a, a wonderful life. But then in mid-2014, and I almost remember the day it started, I began to get this extreme urge to consult a medium. Now, as many of you know, I'm kind of down on mediums. Um, I, I, when I was doing research for them many, year, uh, many years ago, I was trying to find, you know, what, what are they able to do? Um, I really found, came up almost empty. I found one or two that I thought were relatively good, but even the very expensive ones, uh, really seemed to be just phoning it in. I I'm, I was very down on mediums at the time, but I couldn't shake this. I thought it was my mother. She had died two years before, and I thought she was trying to get in touch with me. So, okay, Mom, I made an appointment with a medium, and um, in in the early in 2015, I think it was like early February, um, we finally got together by phone. And by the way, telephone um, actually almost works better than being in the medium's office for a number of reasons. So, you know, I, th I had hopes for this. It was a well-recommended medium. And I had wonderful communications with my family. I mean, we it was it was terrific. We had a heck of a time. Um, I, I got to really see sort of their, uh, where they are, where I'm going to be, where my party will be when I graduate, all this stuff. It was fun. But then um, toward the end, maybe 45 minutes into the, to an hour-long reading, um, she said, oh, uh, your spirit guides are here. They want to meet you. And I, I think I talked about this last week briefly. Um, it turned out I had 11. I'm very hard to handle. Um, there were some who were working on my private life, and they were saying, for heaven's sake, stop working so hard. Uh, there were uh, some which who helped me, I think two or three, who were going to help me with all of my fiction. I now know I mean, everything that I write is channeled. Uh, it was three, and and my head fiction uh, guide is called Marvina, and she apparently looks like a young Ruth Bader Ginsburg, according to the medium. And she's done a wonderful job. We're about to republish some novels uh, as a series, and uh, they, I, they're, they're wonderful. I, I love working on them even now. I think they're so very good, but I couldn't, I didn't write them. I couldn't have written them. I have some that do nonfiction too, and again, that's all channeled. And then it turned out that when he stepped forward, my primary spirit guide, and you know this probably, had been Thomas Jefferson. He winced when I recognized that that was who he was, but I knew it immediately. I had been kind of obsessed with Thomas Jefferson for a number of years, and I even know now why that suddenly started. But um, he's, he's, he hasn't, he insists that that wasn't even his most important lifetime. He has moved on big time. He looks like Clive Owen, according to the medium, because he looks like his, his last Earth lifetime, where he was a farmer in Wales. But um, I, I was, you know, obviously starstruck, and uh, it was, you know, happy conversation until he well, wanted another uh, you know, you, you go out to lunch with people and they say, what's new? And you say, well, I just learned that my guide is Thomas Jefferson. This is, this is fun. I enjoyed it. But soon he wanted another meeting. And in that meeting, uh, he insisted that I had promised I would write Liberating Jesus. And uh, I had to own up to it and do it. So I then, I said, okay, I would do it. Apparently it was, they showed me why it was so important 
to correct the record on the, the meaning and message of Jesus. So that was was happy to do that. He also said at the time, and by the way, you're going to write a book about presidents. Now, if there's anything I'm not interested in, it's writing a book about presidents. But I said, yeah, whatever you say, basically. Now, now we go back a little bit, um, because this was happening in early 2015. In the 80s, um, I developed a sudden interest in Thomas Jefferson. I think it was probably 86 or 87. I bought a book called Thomas Jefferson, A Strange Case of Mistaken Identity. It was the first of two books by Alf Mapp, who um, has since transitioned, but he was a, an older uh, Jefferson scholar. And I, was, I loved the book so much, I started corresponding with him. Back then, you corresponded by letter and occasionally by phone call, and that's what we were doing. And I remember vividly uh, talking with him one day. I had had it had struck me that there was this big gap in Jefferson's life because he was married for ten years and he burned all their correspondence. But there were you could sort of see a lot about his wife just in just in details of the life he was living. So I told Alf when we were on the phone one day, I said, you know, you ought to write about Martha Jefferson. Maybe you could, you know, fictionalize her journal. He said, I can't do that. I'm a scholar, but why don't you do it? Now, I now understand Thomas had engineered that whole blessed thing. I thought, what the heck? I felt driven to do it, and I did the research, and the research was easy, and it was fun. I, I, everybody answered my questions. It was all a wonderful experience. And then one day, I sat down, and I put my fingers on the keyboard, and the, and the, the whole, I thought it was a novel at the time, the whole book came out. It was, you know, basically flawless. I hardly edited it at all. And it was even written in archaic English, which I, of course, don't know how to write in. And when we submitted it, the first publisher bought it, and they bought it for an amount of money beyond what I would have dreamed. And um, they scheduled 20,000 copies, which for back then for a first book, just novel or, or nonfiction book was very rare. And uh, it was a double day, for heaven's sake. This, I was Suddenly I was going to be published in New York. I wanted to change the language. I, I began to repent of the whole archaic stuff. But uh, they insisted we couldn't change a word of this book. Now, I didn't find out until 2016 what that was all about. It turned out that... Thomas, I, I think this was going on uh, before his Jefferson lifetime, but certainly after his Jefferson lifetime, is very tight with with Jesus. There's a, a group of people around Jesus, and he's one of them. And he was, Jesus was, was pretty frustrated with us, as you can imagine, because he didn't mean to start Christianity at all. That's pretty abundantly clear. And Christians don't even pay attention to the reason why he did come, which was to teach us how to elevate our spiritual development. So he became so frustrated that in the 60s, uh, he led the group that channeled A Course in Miracles. And what they were trying to do was rewrite the gospel teachings for a very modern day. But the problem they had was that, of course, anyone who's tried to do A Course in Miracles is way over your head. Uh, they over. They basically they 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 decided that the gospels were too simple for us. That's why we were ignoring them. So they overshot. And apparently, by the by the early eighties, Jeff the Jesus was realizing that he had to try it again, and he decided he was going to to write basically restate his gospel teachings. 
but for the modern day, but stick to the gospel teachings. And he was looking for a pure channel. Now, Jefferson, in his lifetime, which ended in, uh, what, 1826, he had late in life uh, done something similar to liberating Jesus. He had written the gospel teachings for his day, but he never published them. He realized at the time that, that he couldn't do it. It would basically... I, I, I still don't know why, and I think he's upset he didn't do it. But nevertheless, I had agreed I would do this for him. When I refused to do it, that's when he stepped into my life. He had apparently then decided that Jesus needed somebody to do this. I was already going to do it for him. Why didn't he propose me to Jesus? He did. Of, of channeling my Thomas was purely to prove that I could do research and I could channel under guidance from spirit. And it turned out I am good at that. I mean, I'm not good at much, but I turned out to be good at that. But uh, that's how that all started. I didn't find out all about all of this until 2016. The thing about channeling is that it's so easy. It feels as if you're suddenly brilliant, especially, of course, if you're channeling Thomas Jefferson. But um, I, I, I frankly, after we sold my Thomas, I felt I was going to be a genius at this. There were so many other historic figures I could do. I lived right in Plymouth, Mass. at the time. So I, I tried to research um, Edward Winslow, who was a key pilgrim. I found it much harder to do that research. Um, it was really a slog. But I thought, well, there isn't as much about him, of course, as there is about Jefferson. But I can do this. I can do this. I, I, you know, I bought books about what they wore and what they did and all of this. And I really researched him and his family. Then I sat down at my typewriter. Actually, it was a computer at that point. I, I, just, I had just started to use a computer. I sat down and I could not write a sentence. I remember this vividly. I put my fingers there just as, you know, because I was so brilliant. I had done it so well with my Thomas. I couldn't write a sentence. It took me three months to put aside that project. And it was very frustrating. I, w I was spending a lot of time trying. But even if I managed to get a sentence down, I would just erase it. it, it now, I, I, that was what taught me that channeling is something that I can do. But actually writing fiction or writing nonfiction, not so much. It was humbling, I must say, but it's liberating in a way. I, I don't feel that I must build my own career. Uh, there are other people whose careers I need to build, and that makes me makes me feel like I'm part of a wonderful team. But that's how this started with Thomas. And for a while, he, he was perfectly willing, whenever I wanted to do it, to talk to me, beginning in, you know, in the spring of, of 2015, and really uh, until the spring of 2017, for two years, I, I spoke with him frequently. Um, maybe once every month or two and asked him questions and he told me things and it was really nice. But I didn't realize at the time he really hated the experience of talking to me directly. We, we meet with our spirit guides at night and apparently I, we were having those meetings all that time and it frustrated him no end that of course I didn't consciously remember that and I kept asking him stupid questions. He does think of me in this particular lifetime as pretty ditzy and I'm not sure I'm happy about that but I accept it now. When I come back, I'll tell you what happened next.
broadcast studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, to the world and beyond. You're watching the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. The scientist and the mystic have been on an age-old relentless search with one thing in common. They seek truth. Their paths converge in the 40,000-year-old practice of shamanism, an ancient science delving to the quantum level of life, facilitating healing, manifestation, and evolution. I'm Gwilda Wiecka the founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Arts School, a unique Colorado State certified occupational school, training shamanic practitioners and teachers. We also provide classes for empowering personal lives through shamanism. Our certification classes are in week-long segments, enabling international participation, and online classes and long-distance shamanic healing sessions are available. Come discover the science of magic in the limitless world of shamanism. www.findyourpathhome.com Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnix, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God, it was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God. And finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Welcome back to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes, and I'm picking up my story with my my, my two-year sort of open relationship with my primary spirit guide. Um, he had told me, as I said, when he gave me the charge to write Liberating Jesus in May of 2015, that I was going to be writing about presidents. I didn't want to, and I didn't even think about it. Instead, what I began to channel was the sequel to Liberating Jesus, which is the fun of growing forever. It's an important book because it shows you how 
you can use the teachings of Jesus to grow rapidly. I don't think there's a better way to do it than simply to do what I, I talked there about how to easily follow those teachings, but it's amazing how fast it works. And I know that because, again, I had been paying attention and accepting what I was being asked to do. Someone prompted me right after The Fun of Dying came out, and it includes a, 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 an appendix which talks about those teachings. So someone asked me very early uh, after the book was published whether the teachings of Jesus work, because I, have, I was showing in that appendix how the dead validate all the things Jesus taught us. Kind of important to know then whether the teachings work. So I said, of course they work. But then afterwards I thought about it. I said, I think I'm going to try it. So I think it was early summer of 2011, I began to take Jesus seriously which is what I recommend everybody do. I don't care whether you're religious or not. He's a secular teacher, and he knows how, how to easily do what it is you came to earth to do, so everybody should be following those teachings, which have nothing to do with Christianity, of course. Christians don't necessarily ever follow them. But what is spiritual growth anyway? It's pretty simple. The only thing that exists is what we experience as human consciousness. Now, our consciousness while we're here is very limited. We're probably in touch with less than 10%, maybe as little as 5% of our eternal minds. But nevertheless, we are here to, to learn to raise the vibration of our consciousness away from fear and toward love. That's what the range is, the lowest vibration of consciousness we experience as fear, anger, hatred, all the negative, ishy stuff. The highest vibration we experience is perfect love. It's that simple. And that's what the teachings of Jesus do. They, they help us do it, and they help us do it quickly. I've talked about this in other podcasts. Just You can probably find one where I talk about the fun of growing forever, and, and it'll tell you there how it works. But it works quickly. I mean, it took me just a few months and um, I was, I was transformed. What happened, really, to me was that all the things that were irritants from the outside—I think of them as levers on the outside—that you know, someone yanks on your lever that cut you off in traffic or something, and it makes you go crazy. They all get disconnected, so that no matter what people do on the outside, it does not affect you. You are peaceful all the time, and that was a miracle to me. Uh, that, I think that may have been the main thing I came here to do. But the, the, the reason why it's important that all of us raise our spiritual vibration is that the vibration of the planet now is so low that a lot of the negative things that are happening around us are the direct result of a lot of people thinking from fear, anger, hatred, and not from love. When you think from love, miracles can happen. And the next fun book I wrote, which is The Fun of Living Together, is what happens when you're thinking only from love. I could not have written that book if, if I had not tried the teachings of Jesus and found a way to make them work, to transform me spiritually. Everybody is learning very much, including me. What uh, This was the spring of early summer of 2016, and I had a friend who'd been, oh, she was my friend for a decade before we ever had this conversation. We never talked about race. It wasn't important. We have a lot of, of other stuff to talk about. But one day um, I read something somewhere. I think it was someone saying, you know, even though I'm a rich professor and all this, the fact that I'm black means they still follow me around in stores. I couldn't believe that. So I asked my friend, who also is black, and she told me what it's like to be black in America, even if you're successful. And it rocked my world completely. I couldn't believe that. So I started to do research. And I did more and more research. And um, 
I had a, a very early interest in Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He was assassinated in the spring of my senior year in high school. I mean, college, rather, college. And I remember when he was assassinated, I had been fascinated by the man. I was horrified by his assassination. And then the next morning, a friend of mine who um, was from New Orleans, when I said something about how awful it was he had been assassinated, she said, you can't use the word assassinated for him. He was just murdered. He wasn't worthy of the word assassinated. I have that that conversation lives in my mind. How could anybody think that way? But that was my introduction. I never knew a black person until I went to college. But um, I I had no prejudices against them. I just didn't know them. And I realize now I, I that may have been a good thing. I had no opinions at all. But I do have opinions, strong opinions about right and wrong. And the more I learned about the way black people are being treated in this country and thinking from love, the more I realized there are causes no one's even talking about. Um, I, I never really felt close to Dr. King, but there had been, uh, when I wrote The Fun of Dying, a friend of mine had told me that I had five clergymen working with me, and he was one of them. That was pretty amazing to me. And um, The Fun of Living Together came out very quickly. I knew Thomas was behind it. In fact, he told me right after, during one of these sessions we were still having with a medium, he told me that this was the book about presidents I, he had told me I was going to write. Now, I don't have time now, and I will probably later, to talk to you more about Thomas Jefferson and particularly his, his relationship with the whole issue of slavery, but he absolutely hated it. He just never could figure out how to fix it. And so I came to realize, as I was writing the book, and clearly it was being channeled by him primarily, I came to realize this is what he is doing about slavery. He has decided it's time to end it, and indeed it is. And that's what the fun of living together is all about. Slavery continues in this country. Anyone who thinks it doesn't um, is, is you know, living in a dream. But the reality is the fact that it continues is in a way a good thing for us now because there are causes, there are reasons why we never managed to end it, and now we truly can end it. But what interests me about this, as I think about it, is I really think that this is a plan that was made after the fact. Um, I think he, he thought I would probably write, uh, you know, the fun of living together, but I'm not sure. He, he and Dr. King, and by the way, they're not those people now. They are their eternal selves. But during their lifetimes uh, on earth, recent lifetimes, they were these people who are very extraordinary and certainly of one mind. And um, so it appears that they together um, guided the fun of uh, living together. And I thought um, that was that pretty much. But then they began to do some things and take some, some uh, opportunities, which allowed them to make of that book uh, really something remarkable. Uh, it is. It, it now is spawning a movement, which I believe is going to be public fairly soon, and I think it really will make a material difference. And it's very, very exciting. But meanwhile, Thomas Je Thomas Jefferson, actually my guide Thomas now, had decided he had had enough of this being in contact with me. Here's the thing. Thomas, apparently Thomas and I have had 17 lifetimes together. He considers his Jefferson lifetime to be not even his most important lifetime. He even tells me I've had more important lifetimes than that, which rocks my brain. 
but but um, in point of fact, um, you know, there, there we were, and we were, we were. I was trying to talk to him, and I didn't realize he just thought I was a complete ditzy female. In my eternal life, that he has shared with me, I'm always male, and we're basically comrades doing all this work together. And the fact that you don't remember any of this may mean that your guy too is frustrated to death about the fact that um, um, you know you don't remember it, you don't recognize them, and he got sick of answering my questions. So he made me know. Almost a year ago now, it was April, I think, that he didn't want to talk anymore this way. And so we will, for the rest of my life, be working again as we always have worked with him uh, guiding me at night. And actually, that works better for me. But that's why if you ask me, can I ask him a question? I can't anymore. I mean, I can ask him at night and he might let me know in the morning, but he really wants to work from within me. And I just feel grateful that I had the opportunity to do all of the things I did during the two years he and I were in direct contact. You have guides, too. Your guides are trying to help you live your plan. And you also may have a plan that involves doing some things for them. I mean, we're all people, even people who are famous, even people who are much more advanced spiritually. We are all people and we're all working together for our mutual elevation of our consciousness and for, at this point, trying to save the planet and removing the negativity that is all of our terrible racial issues is an, is a crucial aspect of our finally removing the negativity in this planet. So um, I, that's, that's the work they've decided I will do, but I'm convinced that this is something that came up after the fact. Um, he had thought I was going to have to battle for Jesus, but in fact, there hasn't been any negativity that I've discovered associated with the publication of Liberating Jesus. That part of this work is advancing faster than they ever dreamed it would. I mean, Jesus is going to be recognized as what he always intended to be, which is the greatest teacher we've ever had. And what he's teaching us is how to raise our consciousness vibration and save the world. He said that then, it's much more true now. And so since I have, don't have to fight for that as much as Thomas thought I would, um, we're going to fight we're going to fight for justice, and we're going to fight for equality in this country. And uh, all of that is, as I say, kind of fun. And it makes my life busier, frankly, in my old age than it ever was before in my life. When we come back, um, we will talk a little bit more about this. Uh, and then we're, we're going to talk about what the next stage may well be. Roberta Grimes, Seek Reality. We'll be right back. heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simul TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, sci-fi and horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. 
live streaming events from around the world, interactive online network, and much more. Tomorrow's TV today, Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. The new nonfiction book, Razor of Madness, is similar to cult movies like Clockwork Orange, Dragon's Tattoo, or The Other Side of Hell. Wayne Morin Jr. and Thomas Lee Howe will expose widespread and systematic deficiencies in this thought-provoking tell-all novel. Mind control rages among scholars in law schools. Human rights are ignored while thought reform and mental manipulation are accepted practices used as behavior modification. Dr. Louis Jolion West comes to mind. Media and public scrutiny shows that United States mental hospitals are in fact destructive murder industries. Razor of Madness Expose Novel details this epidemic through an in-depth professional and personal investigation. For decades, there has been a revolving door policy that still releases killers and pedophiles back into society. The maestro of mind control continues to haunt America to this very day. Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com. I'm William S. Peckham. If you enjoy a good mystery with a touch of the paranormal, then you'll love my novel, From Out of the Woodwork. It's the story of a young Toronto contractor, Sean Kennedy, who buys derelict homes, guts them, and turns them into multifamily dwellings. Slums just waiting to happen. When Sean buys 29 Livery Lane, the house fights back. Former owners unexpectedly come out of the woodwork as he starts the destruction. The apparitions come to him when he touches old books, reads hidden letters, rummages through old boxes, finds a locket or reads a discovered manuscript of a murder mystery. From Out of the Woodwork will take you from 1899 to the horror of the World Trade Center, September 11, 2001. Check out From Out of the Woodwork on my website, www.williamspeckham.com. Welcome back to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes, and we're talking today about my recent life, which is actually kind of overwhelming, I have to say. But um, Thomas is still very much part of it. In fact, uh, I'm starting to be uh, impatient with the fact that I can't tell most people what's really going on. I mean, what's really going on imperfect fact is that my guide who once was Thomas Jefferson and for whom slavery was a horrendous problem his whole life is trying to fix it now and I'm just his avatar he's doing this work these ideas are his that's the key point that I want to make about my books the ideas are not coming from me I would have no idea how to do the things these people are you do using me to do and I feel I feel really awkward taking credit for it I mean I'm, I'm still channeling uh, stuff about race. We're still doing this research. I'm getting all these, these, this praise from from major donors and stuff. There are now foundations, and I don't. I feel as if I'm, you know, I'm stealing valor. Uh, I, I I just can't 
keep taking credit for what Thomas Jefferson, and I'm strongly convinced probably um, Dr. King, now in their eternal bodies, but still trying to finish work they had when they were here. What they're doing, and I just get to do, they have the fun of doing the channeling and, and getting the credit. I, I don't like to get the credit. So um, just being clear, I feel I can talk to you, but I just can't. Most of the people, if I told them, hey, this isn't really me, this is, you know, Jefferson and Dr. King, they would say, uh, <laughs> where are the paddy wagons? We have to, you know, the people in the white white coats. But this, the person, I, having, having done a lot of research on Thomas Jefferson, having heard the Leslie Flint recording of him, which is just remarkable, I have to tell you, it, it's still the same guy. Um, you know, he's still, he's kind of is impatient. He's, he's, he does not, as, as the medium used to say, he does not suffer fools. Um, and the, there, that's one reason he doesn't want to be in contact with me while I'm still in this ditzy female lifetime. But, uh, but it's the same being. But when we have graduated, we have a much bigger perspective. We no longer, every, I hear from people all the time who say, oh, well, I want to be in the, my husband's life forever or, you know, even my cat, my cat. If my cat's not there, I don't want to go to heaven. But um, in point of fact, our perspective changes so completely when we have graduated. None of that really matters to us. We still have our loved ones around us. We have, yes, all our pets who we've ever loved are there waiting for us. But what's important to us once we resume our eternal identities and get back in our eternal minds, we have such bigger concerns and we are such more so much more selfless than we are here so i hope that reassures you if you if you're recoiling from the thought that maybe um you know you might might start your, your life might be seized by some great entities to do his or her work please believe me you would love it if this could happen to you i urge everybody to give their life to god because maybe then you'll have the, this kind of experience too but frankly i don't think anyone has ever done it on my advice which is which is kind of sad. Um, so I, I still have a strong sense of him. Um, I never, uh, whenever I'm about to do something, I always assume everything that happens that's that seems serendipitous because it's about you know racial healing or or somebody I should talk to or something comes up. I always follow through, and I always have a strong sense. He was what put me put that idea in my mind, uh, and that's all really good. I mean, you can work very well with your spirit guides without ever being in direct contact with them in the daytime because you are busy, busy with them at night. If you want more contact in the daytime, probably the best thing for you to do is what I used to do and what I still kind of do now, although I don't really need to do it. Um, just think or even better to say aloud a question. Should I take this job? Um, you know, should I should I get, marry this person? Or whatever the question is you have in your mind, ask the question clearly and then go to bed and go to sleep. And when you wake up in the morning, pay attention to the first thoughts in your mind. It, it doesn't come through immediately. I mean, you in some, it can take several weeks or more before you develop this connection but once it's developed it's very handy because you will get you may not get the answer you want but you will get an answer from your guides and the more you work with them the, the more that channel opens and you will have more and more ability what really happens is you and they talk about these things at night and then they give you the um, ability to remember uh, what what was said about this or that at night um, 
Thomas used to do that to me too during the early period of our, he, rem he let me remember a lot of things from those meetings, but I would blab them to everybody so that he stopped letting me do that. Oh my goodness, I must be such a trial to him. But, but here's the thing, we all have the ability to do great things. And you, you may be listening now and you may be thinking, oh, my guides aren't going to let me do this or that. But I really want to do this other good thing for the world. If, you're, if your motives are pure, you will attract the guides that can help you do whatever it is you think you are feeling called to do. Let me say that again. It doesn't matter. As long as you've reasonably finished your life plan, you can do any great thing you want to do if your motive is pure. If your motive is, hey, I'm going to get famous, that's not such a pure motive. But if you really are moved, for example, by the plight of black children in this country, which I never was moved before, but now I, I can't tell you it breaks my heart and we are going to fix it. Um, it as, long as, you, as long as your motive is pure, you can do anything. You will attract guides who will help you at during the night work out a new lesson plan and you will do the things that you want to do. Um, and frankly, it's a lot more fun than just sitting in a rocking chair when you're in your 70s, as I can, I can attest. So where am I going with this? I don't really know because I think they're making it up as they go along to some extent. Um, there are foundations. There's money being gathered. We expect some announcements, but um, this is a this is an, a, the very early stages of what we hope will become a movement to finally fix our racial problems. I, I know most people think we just have to live with them because we've had to live with them for you know 400 years, going on next year, but we don't. Because every racial problem in this country has a cause. And that cause, when, when we put all those causes together, it has made a gigantic mess that never will get better on its own. If we don't decide it's time, we've had enough, we're going to fix this problem completely. If we don't decide that, then I, it has the potential to take down this country. I don't have the time to talk about that now, but I will later. But this is a much more serious and much more tragic problem than most people are aware because we're used to it. You know, this is just something that we live with. We don't have to live with it and we can't keep living with it. Um, I'm going to give you two insights that have come up in my research, which to me are central to what we're working on now. The first is that it seems to me as I do this research that nearly everybody who is even a well-meant scholar in this field has come to believe that there probably are racial differences. There are. They seem There seem to be, and they, they are not flattering to people with darker skin. Well, I'm here to tell you there cannot be any racial differences at all. And the reason is simple. We have not been separated long enough for anything to have changed between us. We are identical. We are, in fact, one race. There are not two races based on skin color. That's a fact. Um, I talk about this, um, or will talk about this later on, because I intend to do a podcast that's just about what I've come to understand based on my research in the area of race. I think you'll find that fascinating. I'm just not ready to do it yet. But just take it from me. Um, blue eyes are a much older mutation than black skin. Google Cheddar Man. The, like the cheese, Cheddar Man, and you'll see a man with black skin and blue eyes. And apparently he was a Briton who lived 10,000 years ago. It was probably 5,000 years ago or less um, that, that um, there were really any people with light skin 
in in the, in the Europe. That's that was civilization times, for heaven's sake. There's not enough time in 3,000 years for there to be any difference between the races at all. The second thing I want you to know is um, that we are not racist by nature. We're tribal. And unfortunately, we learn what our tribe looks like before school age. And we, for life, think that's our tribe. Uh, that's nonsense. When we start raising children in such a way that they don't become racist because we've handled it badly, there'll be no more racism in America. All of these problems are soluble. We can solve them. We just have to decide it's time. And as I say, um, the, the problems that are now rife in the black community all have causes. They're all human caused. Therefore, they can be solved. There's great news there. Dr. King's dream can come true. We can be in a country where color is not an issue at all. But more to the point, perhaps, if you're white and you're thinking, yeah, that's them, all of white America is about 40 years behind black America in having our culture dissolved. If we don't do something now, the problems we see in black America, which are heartbreaking, are going to be all over this country. We can already see it starting to happen. Now, I mean, used very recently in the in the early 70s, um, the, the, there was a, a rate of uh, fatherlessness that was like four or five percent in, in white, the white community, it's now 25%. And that's the source of so many of our, oh, I can't wait to talk. I wish I could tell you all this now, but we're coming to the end of our time. But please just understand, there really is a set of solutions that will work and we will be able to create the America that our founders tried to give us, but they couldn't give to us because they couldn't solve these problems either. We can now, we are the generation that can claim our founding dream. We just have to first heal this founding wound. And my hope is that that's what we are about to do. So all of this is, to me, very, very, very exciting. Um, and I'm just starting now to, to get to the point where I can talk to you about it. So this has been Roberta Grimes on Seek Reality. Never forget that you are a powerful, eternal being, and I'll talk to you next time. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com.
Are you or is someone you know struggling with addictions, depression, anxiety, relationships, low self-esteem, lack of confidence, grief, success, and prosperity? Do you know that your subconscious belief plays a big role in the outcome of your hard work? We can help you permanently change the beliefs that may be the reason for your struggles and failures. We care about getting you the return on your investment and the results you are looking for. We can help you be free of the limitations of your past and in realizing your highest potential. We work with people by phone and Skype. For more information, visit us at www.ritasoman.com. That's www.ritasoman.com. Do you think you have energy problems in your home? Do you feel better when you're away than when you're home? Joey Korn is a global leader in the world of dowsing who specializes in personal energy clearing and space clearing. He can help you create an ideal energy environment in your home no matter where you live in the world. Learn about his remote spiritual house cleaning services and much more at www.dowsers.com. You can get Joey's book, Dowsing, A Path to Enlightenment, as well as other dowsing books and tools, Kabbalah books, and Walter Russell books. Joey's work is really amazing. Go to dowsers.com right now. That's D-O-W-S-E-R-S dot com or call 1-877-DOWSING. That's 1-877-369-7464.